you're like the rest of us and you get your football news from apps on your phone, giving you push notifications, you might have thought you were going absolutely insane at some point over this past week, as it just feels like we have devolved further and further into pure insanity in the NFL. Uh, I just about lost it today when I saw that pretty much every team is in the running for Odell Beckham Jr., uh, except for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because head coach Bruce Arians said they already have too many letters on their team with uh, A, B, and they can't also add OBJ. So this is where we're at in the NFL now. This is this is what uh, qualifies as, as NFL news because just about everything is going absolutely insane. And here to help us make some sense of all of this insanity is Eric Smith and Ryan Heath. Guys, how, how are you doing today? <laughs> well, uh, we're in week 10, and it's definitely the midseason lull. I, I brewed a pot of coffee at 4 p.m. Eastern today. And I'm not sure if it's just because it's the point of the season or, like you said, it's all this news. We had that that Monday night game with the ref hip-checking the, uh, the the Broncos player. Like, we've got COVID outbreaks. Uh, Odell Beckham's on the loose. It's just it, – it's madness. So, I uh, put on a pot of coffee. We'll get through this. But playoffs are coming up soon, man. So, we got we to gotta get down to business here because, uh, yeah, this is where we make and break our season right here. Yeah, I mean – Every single time I open Twitter on my phone, it feels like I see that one video of the ref checking the Bears player. I just can't escape it. It's like playing over and over in my eyes. Like it's like I feel like I'm being tortured by this video. It just gets me so angry every time I watch it. And you would think I would desensitize, but it just keeps coming up and keeps like messing with my emotions. I hate it. Yeah, that's how I feel about this Aaron Rodgers saga. Uh, every time uh, his name pops up, there's something else. Uh, the fines came out. Uh, the news, you know, just what how the NFL is holding the Packers and holding Aaron Rodgers, quote unquote, accountable. Uh, I don't know if we could really <laughs> call it that. Uh, the stupid Star Wars sweatshirt that he wore on the Pat McAfee show. Just this is just I mean, that's again, you know, we're we're at that point in the NFL season where the, everything is just completely off the rails. Um, let's talk about some of the biggest news right now that might be affecting your fantasy teams. Uh, Browns running backs Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton both tested positive for COVID. Uh, now, they are both vaccinated, so there is an outside chance that they'll be active for Sunday's game. But we really haven't seen that happen. I, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen, oh, well, if they just get the two negative tests by Sunday, they'll be fine. And then that doesn't happen. Um, and so it, they, they miss a week. So technically, there's an outside chance that Nick Chubb plays. Uh, but it's just not something we've seen so far uh, this season. And then Kareem Hunt also is not going to be activated uh, from the IR. He would be eligible to play, but he's not ready to play yet. So uh, Cleveland's down to Dernis Johnson. And then I, I guess I saw maybe Jarvis Landry might uh, get some uh, some carries, some end arounds. Uh, Ryan, what, what does this do for you uh, with, with Cleveland? Is this just fire up Dernis Johnson and, and there's nothing else to it? Yeah, if Dearness Johnson is the last man standing here, you fire him up. I mean, this Pats defense has allowed running backs some chunk plays. I mean, I have these visceral memories of random players like Ty Johnson just gashing us over the middle for no reason. So I think Dearness Johnson could definitely take advantage if he's given the volume. Yeah, and the last time Dernish Johnson uh, got major volume, he scored uh, almost 25 PPR points as he went for 146 yards rushing, scored a touchdown um, on 22 carries in a Week 7 matchup against Denver. So, um, you know, definitely a possibility here that he can absolutely have a big game. That was the only time this season that he was the uh, only, you know, healthy Browns running back. Um, otherwise, he's shared the field with Nick Chubb. So 
another good opportunity for him to show what he can do. Uh, sticking with the Browns, Odell Beckham Jr. has cleared waivers. Um, apparently has received interest from the Saints, the Seahawks, the Patriots, uh, among, I, I know I saw maybe the Chiefs in there as well. So there's definitely teams interested in uh, OBJ. Is he someone that you're hanging on to if you had him rostered just to, and, and are waiting to see where he might sign? Or does it not matter where he signs for you? I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, but I would not want one of these offenses where he's a complimentary piece. I would probably have moved on from him already. Uh, Cause what, I mean, we need him to be a volume player getting, you know, 10 targets a game. If he gets on one of these teams like the Seahawks and is just like a deep threat, I just don't think that's going to be enough to matter for fantasy. So uh, the fact that he cleared waivers means that nobody wanted to pay him that salary. I don't think anyone's just like fighting over him. Although maybe the Patriots are one of those teams, but uh, I don't know, even on the Patriots, like, is that passing game really going to produce a meaningful like wide receiver one in fantasy? I'm a little skeptical. So personally, I would have already moved on and freed up that roster spot, but I do get it. If you still have them, maybe wait another couple of days and see what happens. Okay. But he's someone that would certainly be droppable if, if you needed to, uh, you know, take another uh, lottery shot this weekend, or maybe needed to fill a last minute roster spot. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're good with dropping OBJ. Ryan, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I feel the same way. I think the only team that would get me sort of excited about him would be the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's a place where there is target volume that he could absorb to potentially be usable in fantasy. Uh, But yeah, like the Patriots, Seahawks, those teams don't really move the needle for me. So, And I I will say we said the same thing about Josh Gordon. As long as he goes to the (laughs) Chiefs, then maybe we're interested. So again, probably just drop him if you need to. Yeah, I was just about to say that the Chiefs already filled their wide receiver two spot when they signed Josh Gordon. Uh, OBJ is <laughs> going to be sitting there behind them. Uh, Delvin Cook is expected to play this weekend. Uh, I'm not going to say anything more about that. Uh, I would just say uh, make sure that Alexander Madison isn't sitting on any waiver wire uh, out there because while Cook is currently expected to play, um, we all know that you know anything can happen with you know the commissioner's office. Um, if he was a cowboy, he would have already been suspended for six games. Uh, so just just keep an eye on uh, alexander madison if he's available go drop odell beckham jr to pick him up just you know that's that's a move you could definitely make uh more importantly though minnesota vikings offensive lineman dakota dozier is in the hospital uh he has been hospitalized with covid complications so uh, obviously we're hoping for him to have a speedy and full recovery and this is definitely a situation to monitor uh, as head coach mike zimmer and 29 other members of the uh, vikings organization were deemed close contacts um, and are going to get tested again uh, so this came out uh, today. We might have we'll have more information tomorrow on uh, how many players on the Vikings uh, could be affected by this. Um, but again, obviously, um, you know, thoughts are out to uh, Dozier and his family, and hopefully he's out of the hospital soon. Um, let's end on on some lighter news. Carson Wentz's wife is due on Sunday. Uh, he told her that he's playing in Sunday's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, even if she goes into labor that day. Given that it's Wentz, I think he'd be on kid number 10. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of Phillip Rivers. So, I mean, same team. But uh, Carson Wentz has a couple of kids already, right? He can miss He can miss the birth of his, of his child. <laughs> that was my question is what number are they on? So I, I'm honestly not sure. But, I mean, if you could miss a game, you'd think it'd be against Jacksonville. So he, he's really dedicated to football, I guess. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's his second kid. He already was at the birth of his first one. You've seen <laughs> one, you've seen them all, right? <laughs> right. Hey, says, if this, says, if this, says three guys with no kids yeah exactly if his wife's cool with that hey who am i to say anything 
Uh, all right, so um, we're going to talk about a couple of players that Eric and Ryan are surprisingly sitting, a couple of players that they're surprisingly starting. Um, on this podcast, we're going to talk about a lot of players. We're not going to talk about everyone. Um, so if there's a player that you missed, head over to QBList.com and check out our Sit Start article um, where we talk about every single player, have a blurb on every single player that's playing this weekend. Um, that's fantasy relevant. Uh, and then Eric is going to uh, also have his rankings on the site. So um, you know, with the podcast, with the article, if there's still more that you're looking for, if you need a quick uh, decision, uh, made or, or a tie broken you can definitely head over to uh, our rankings on the side as well click on the list and you'll see eric's rankings um eric who are two players that you are sitting this week that you think everyone else might be starting yeah so i'm sitting jordan howard if i can i know you look at these last two weeks with three touchdowns and it looks great but it did come against detroit and the chargers pretty bad run defenses and He's just living off this touchdown volume. So I'm trying not to start running backs with a 40% snap share who are touchdown dependent if possible. And then I'm also surprisingly sitting Elijah Moore. I love the talent. He had his breakout week last week, but Corey Davis comes back to health. All of a sudden, it's a crowded receiver core with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, even Keelan Cole's playing well. You've got Michael Carter out of the backfield. So if I can, I wouldn't mind sitting more. I just want to see how this Receiving core with Mike White looks kind of at full strength here. Man, you mentioned all those wide receivers, and you didn't even mention the untradeable Denzel Mims. Exactly. Uh, which was a piece of news I wanted to talk about last week, but there's so much going on. But the Jets calling Denzel Mims untradeable is hysterical, considering he's played in like 11% of snaps this year. Uh, Ryan, who are you going to be sitting this week? Yeah, I'm sorry that we're at this point now, especially for myself, because I like being right and don't like being wrong. But I'm I'm probably sitting Antonio Gibson against the Bucks this week. I mean, he's been getting out snapped by J.D. McKissick each of the last three weeks. Uh, the way that running backs have traditionally scored against the Bucks this year is through the air. But McKissick is going to monopolize all of those. I It's just very disappointing with Gibson. Maybe he's going to be healthier coming off the bye, but... He's really just a touchdown-dependent option at this point. Um, and then my other surprising sit is Jeremy McNichols against the Saints. Again, a tough matchup for opposing running backs. I was really thinking that I might be able to sneak McNichols into flex territory, but just with pretty much the even split on the ground with Adrian Peterson. And, I mean, he did have the receiving role, but that didn't ultimately amount to much, only three targets. So he's not somebody that I'm looking to start this week. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't profile as a good matchup for Jeremy McNichols. Uh, if for no other reason than the fact that they should be able to keep it, you know, get and hold a lead against uh, the Saints. And uh, McNichols is definitely more of a, a play from behind kind of a player with the uh, passing volume that he gets. Although, again, it's not like Adrian Peterson can be out there all the time anyway uh, without, you know, dying. So uh, we need Jeremy McNichols a little bit. So it's kind of kind of surprising that you're sitting him and definitely hurts to say Antonio Gibson. I know how high you were on him coming into the season, but um, he just really hasn't gotten it going too much this year. Um, the, the Washington football team can't get or keep a lead um, playing from behind a lot. So definitely tough to see him losing snaps to JD McKissick of all people. But what are you going to do? Uh, Eric, give us some optimism. Who are two players that you're surprisingly starting this week? Yeah, I'm going to surprisingly start Devin Singletary. I mean, I know it makes sense with, uh, you know, Zach Moss out with a con concussion potentially, but I've just been really down on Singletary. He doesn't score touchdowns, but I mean, this is a good spot. Uh, yeah, that's 71% snap share last week without Moss around. So definitely fire up Singletary if you need to. And then uh, I don't think Rashad Bateman should be a surprising start, but he shows up in waiver wire articles every week. Not enough people have added him. Maybe this is the week they have, but 
Uh, he's really getting a lot of work in this Ravens offense that's passing the ball a lot more. Uh, he's seen like between a 19 and a 22% target share a couple times over the last few weeks. And he's a rookie, so he should just keep getting better and better. So I really like what I've seen from Bateman. Uh, you can fire him up pretty comfortably. Eric, what, what roster ship percentage do you think Rashad Bateman should have? I mean, I think he should be rostered in almost every league. I, I know there are some smaller league types, but he should be up there like 75% or higher, I would think. Uh, he's still rostered in under 50% of leagues. So he's going to yeah. be on waiver wire articles and uh, on most added lists for the next few weeks still. Go get him before he's on the another waiver wire article again this week because, uh, you know, the, the points haven't been super exciting. Um, he's averaged uh, just a hair under 10 points uh, per game in PPR so far this year. But uh, five uh, receptions for 52 yards on eight targets last week, and they play a pretty bad Miami defense. We'll talk about that in a minute uh, when we talk about Thursday Night Football. Uh, Ryan, who are you going to be starting this week? Yeah, so my surprising starts are both of the Broncos running backs against the Eagles. I have both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams well within my top 24. The Eagles have averaged 28.5 points allowed to opposing running backs this year. I mean, if you assume they're going to split it down the middle, that's 14 points each, which doesn't sound exciting, but it's that's a top 24 running back at this point. So I am happy to start either of them. Well, not happy, but surprised <laughs> and feeling okay about it, I guess I would say. So that's who I'll go with. Yeah, over the uh, over the past four weeks, uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have scored uh, double digits in PPR, six out of eight possible times uh, mm. between the two of them. And then Javante Williams scored 9.8 points in PPR one of those weeks. So if we lower the threshold from the completely, you know, round number, uh, arbitrary round number of 10 points to 9.8, they've done it seven out of the last uh, eight opportunities uh, dating back to week six. So, you know, not a huge ceiling, uh, but definitely a really high floor for both of them. And uh, against Philadelphia should be a, a real good matchup for them. Uh, all right, let's talk about some news and notes. Um, quite a bit to get through this week. So we're going to, some of this stuff we'll definitely zoom through. Uh, we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals who uh, everyone is hurt. Uh, Chase Edmonds suffered a high ankle sprain against the 49ers. Um, no surprise did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, not only is it extremely unlikely he plays this week, but he's probably going to end up on IR. Uh, usually high ankle sprains are four to six week uh, recovery times. Kind of surprised they haven't just ruled him out already, but I guess they're going to, you know, just kind of test it and just see if, if it's uh, less severe than, typical uh how high does this rank uh james connor for you and is there anyone else that you're interested in in picking up or, or rostering in this arizona backfield yeah i mean i've got james connor at rb 13 this week and that's even against a panthers defense that's been really good against running backs uh it's just the volume is so huge here and we saw him come through with colt mccoy quarterback so a uh, real strong start uh ryan and i were both talking about Eno Benjamin uh, before the show. We both wanted to have him ranked a little higher. I am intrigued by Eno Benjamin. I think if you're desperate in some deeper leagues, you could pick him up and put him on your bench and see what happens. Uh, I do think the drawback to Benjamin is, you know, there's a lot of passing game work to go around in this offense. And I think Chase Edmonds was already a little disappointing in the passing game this year. So I'd be surprised to see, you know, Benjamin do better than Chase Edmonds did, but there's still going to be a little bit of a role here for him. So in deep leagues, go ahead and add, you know, Benjamin as the, uh, the pass catching back here. Is he someone that you would add also as like a handcuff to James Conner, who's had his share of injury issues over the past few years? I don't think he's a handcuff. I, I believe he's a very small running back. I forget exactly how tall he is, but he does not profile as someone who's going to soak up a lot of volume. So even if Conner got hurt, I would imagine it's Benjamin splitting with a, a practice squad back or a free agent signing. Um, I, I don't know if you're on the same page, Ryan, with that one. 
Yeah, I would pretty much agree. I think the thesis with Benjamin is that maybe he soaks up some of the target volume here. It could also just go to the receivers on the team, like you've said, because it's already been pretty split. I just want to say that I'm super mad about this whole Chase Edmonds thing. Like It felt like he was such good process, especially after seeing what James Conner did when what after yeah. Edmonds was out. Like if, if the touchdown luck or the injury luck had not just gone completely against him like we could have been talking about one of the better mid-round picks this year but yeah I think Rondell Moore hurt him too because uh, those receivers are pretty much downfield threats especially the way they're using them and that could have really opened up a lot of underneath stuff to Chase Edmonds and I think he was just splitting too much of that work with Rondell Moore Uh, he's just almost like a running back out there receiver so I don't know if they don't draft Rondell Moore I think maybe the season goes a lot differently for Edmonds well, uh, that's, uh, by the way, going back to James Conner, that's a touchdown leader, James Conner, as he scored 11 touchdowns so far this season, uh, just finds his way into the end zone, which is good because, uh, you know, we we're talking about, you know, more work for the receivers. Well, DeAndre Hopkins did not practice. Rondale Moore did not practice. AJ Green did not practice. He's still in uh, COVID uh, reserve list. So we'll see uh, if he's able to get active this week. Rondale Moore missed practice. He's in the concussion protocol. Uh, also, he wasn't really that interesting anyway last week with DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green out. So it's like, I don't even know how interesting, you know, we, we were so high on him early in the season, but he played 81% of the snaps, didn't do a whole lot this past week. So um, even if he does play, I just don't know if if I'd be interested in starting him. And then DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray not practicing is concerning. Um, but, you know, Cliff Kingsbury said again that they don't need to practice in order to start this week. Uh, he said that last week about Murray, and then they started Colt McCoy. So, obviously, I think we'd all feel a little bit better if they practiced at least once uh, this week. So, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, if you have Kyler Murray, you already are rostering a, a quarterback from this past week. So, maybe still roster that quarterback don't uh, uh, not, or, or, not if you not if you started daniel jones on him and cut him out of frustration i, I think it was his bye week anyway but um. yeah yeah definitely <laughs> well definitely if it, if it was daniel jones uh drop him because the giants do not play this week but uh and maybe uh listen a little bit later for ryan's pick on uh on who to stream this week but a lot of a lot of injury news there in arizona um i will i will ask though does any of like if hopkins and more and Murray all don't play and green's not back. And the, the Cardinals are out there with uh, Colt McCoy, Christian Kirk and James Connor is like the only healthy players in that offense. Um, are you still confident starting James Connor? And um, I know you're high on Christian Kirk, Eric. So are you uh, confident starting him as well? Yeah. I mean, they look good with Colt McCoy last week against a divisional opponent in San Francisco. Kirk caught all six targets for 91 yards. I'd feel confident with Kirk. I definitely feel confident with Connor. I mean, he's just, eating up volume and they'd have to give it to somebody. Uh, And this is against the Panthers team that I would expect almost nothing from on offense. So uh, Cardinals defense has been good, a bunch of short fields and you can get some scores. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty interested in this offense, which is surprising with Cole Cole McCoy quarterback. Okay. Um, uh, Clyde Edwards, Elaire and Chris Carson were both designated to return from IR. Uh, We've not yet had a single player this season who is designated to return and then played in that same week. So I would not imagine that they play this week, uh, but just definitely keep an eye on those situations. Uh, Chase Claypool avoided a season ending injury, um, but he is going to be week to week with a toe injury. We saw what Claypool being out meant for Pat Fryermuth. Um, so definitely good news there for if you uh, roster the uh, Steelers tight end. And I believe he was once again, the most added uh, tight end. Uh, is Fryermuth someone that you uh, are definitely starting or is he kind of more in that? Like uh, if you have some, I mean, Obviously, if you have one of the elite tight ends, that's that's one thing. But, you know, has Fryermuth done enough to surpass guys 
like Dallas Goddard or TJ Hawkinson or Dalton Schultz? Um, I, I did not move him above Hawkinson and Schultz, but I did move him above Goddard. I just don't think Goddard's ceiling's all that exciting. Uh, Fryermuth gets the Lions this week, a great matchup. Like you said, there's not a lot of options other than him and Deontay Johnson. Uh, yeah, I'm in on, on Fryermuth. I mean, he's got four top 12 tight end weeks, so it's more than just, you know, or yeah, it's more than just the last two weeks. So it's a bit touchdown dependent, but they got to throw it to someone. And if Roethlisberger likes him, he's going to keep going to him. So yeah, I'm, I'm in on Fryermuth. He's my tight end nine this week. Yeah, I'm a little lower on him. I do have him at tight end 16. I'd still be happy to start him. I just think that this tight end landscape has suddenly gotten a lot better. Like There are 20 tight ends that I'm comfortable-ish starting this week. So if you just picked up Fryermuth and he's the best you've got, then go ahead and roll with him. That He probably is the best you've got if you just picked him up. But yeah, I would still start guys like Hawkinson, Goddard over him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible that he was added to cover for like Hawkinson's bye week uh, or if someone wasn't feeling confident about starting George Kittle in his first week back from IR. So it, it, there's a chance, but you're probably right. If you added Fryermuth, it's because you're looking for an answer at tight end. And it sounds like both of you feel good about him being that answer, at least as long as Chase Claypool is out. Um, the Saints can't catch a break. Cal- Alvin Kamara did not practice with a knee injury. Um, it's not believed to be serious, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, they've lost Jameis Winston. Uh, Michael Thomas isn't coming back. Alvin Kamara is now hurt. So uh, just something to to watch closely. Um, Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin both did not practice. Brown has not played since week six. I, I think he was a long shot to play this week anyway. Um, Chris Godwin not practicing is definitely a concern as well. I believe Rob Gronkowski also did not practice or he was limited. So definitely a lot to keep an eye on down there in Tampa Bay. Um, James Robinson still has not practiced. Uh, he suffered that heel injury and has not uh, practiced since then. Um, although head coach Urban Meyer, which is a statement I did not think I'd still be saying this late into the season, <laughs> uh, is optimistic that James Robinson will play this week, but we'll see as the week progresses. Uh, it, it, you know, what did you see from Carlos Hyde this past week, Ryan? Is he someone that you would want to start if Robinson is out uh, again, or is it was it not interesting enough? I mean, he did dominate the touches, so I think he's fine as like a pinch flex if Robinson is out and. Urban Meyer sure likes him. Let me just say, I think the real winner of all the crazy news from the past couple of weeks is Urban Meyer. <laughs> no one's talking about that guy anymore. How did he get? How did we let him get away with this? Uh, the, he's probably the one behind everything. He he he's planted all of this stuff and just to get all of it off of him. Um, but you're absolutely right. There, there was a time when Urban Meyer was was absolutely the the sideshow of the NFL, and he is now what maybe tenth on that list. Um, all right, uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson both did not practice as they are still on the concussion protocol. Uh, hey Ryan, Brandon Bolden starting running back. I said before the show that every time there's a question about the Patriots backfield, and you both just look to me like, oh yeah, right, like Ryan, say the line. It's like the Sims. It's like the Simpsons meme. <laughs> Or I, I'm Bart, and I don't want to say it. But, yeah, I guess Brandon Bolden is the next man up here. I mean, J.J. Taylor may be also interesting. We'll see if they pick him up off the practice squad this week. Um, but I would say Bolden probably gets the first shot if neither Harris or Stevenson can play. So I guess that's where we're at, we're at with Patriots running backs, and I'd love to not talk about it ever again. Eric, are you? Uh, would you be willing to start Brandon Bolden this week if uh, Harrison Stevenson can't get out of the concussion protocol by Sunday? 
I would try not to. They go against the Browns, who have been really good against running backs anyway, and they look like they're at full strength right now on defense. I know the offense has some problems, but they looked really good against the Bengals last week. Uh, I Yeah, they I did. Just, yeah. <laughs> I just don't know if this is a matchup you want to go after here. It does help that Bolden will catch some passes, but like even if it's Damian Harris, I'm a little worried here because uh, he's got no floor with no pass catching, and this could be a this could be a low scoring game here. So I'm not going out of my way to start Bolden, but you know it's running back. If they're going to get 60 percent of the snaps, it's it's probably worth a start, especially if they catch a few passes. All right, uh, Tim Patrick did not practice. He left Sunday's game late with a knee issue, uh, still bothering him clearly. So uh, he didn't practice this week. Um, I mean. Uh, we'll keep a close eye on it, but that obviously would be good news for Jerry Judy, especially as Noah Fant was activated from the COVID reserve list. Uh, so he will play this week. So that's one more person um, to kind of uh, contend with there for touches in Denver. And and we know Bridgewater is not the guy who can, you know, keep four different players, um, you know, fantasy relevant in the air. So uh, just something to keep an eye on there uh, might affect how you feel about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, Dawson Knox returned to practice uh, in a limited capacity, but that's a good sign. He's coming back from a broken hand. Um, so if he plays this week, um, you know, Ryan, you said there's 20 tight ends that you'd feel good about. Was Dawson Knox one of those 20? Yeah, he's one of them. I mean, he's my tight end 13 this week. And he, he, that's one of the reasons that there suddenly are a lot of tight ends that we're actually considering because we've got these guys coming back from injury. So, I mean, the bills are implied 31 points this week. That's second highest in the league. And Dawson Knox makes his living off of touchdowns as we know. So, I, the Bills are going to probably lay the smackdown on the Jets after having some trouble the last couple of weeks. Could be like a statement game here. So, yeah, I think you can fire him up if he's a full go. Uh, staying with the Bills, Zach Moss didn't practice. He's in the concussion protocol. Uh, Eric already talked about him earlier uh, when he talked about Devin Singletary. So uh, Zach Moss probably not going to play, which means Devin Singletary is startable. Uh, T.Y. Hilton practice on Wednesday. He is tracking towards playing this Sunday. Um, how much does he affect the only Colts uh, player that's actually relevant in the passing game? And that's Michael Pittman. Uh, does Hilton, I guess name Hines, does Hilton make Pittman and Hines unstartable? He should not. Uh, Pittman is just leaps and bounds better than Hilton at this stage of their career. So I would hope the coaching staff has seen that. I think Wentz has seen that. So I would not expect that to be the case. Uh, but hey, crazier things have happened. But I, I'm still starting Pittman, even if Hilton's back. And and Naeem Hines is just so boom bust. I mean, he looked so good last week again, you know, but like, who knows this week he may disappear and it's all Jonathan Taylor. So I'm always kind of on the fence about Hines anyway. I'm not sure that Hilton affects him either. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he should not, and he will not are very, two very different things. And uh, <laughs> I don't know that Indianapolis knows the difference between the two. Uh, and then finally, Sam Darnold is going to miss four to six weeks with a shoulder injury. Um, so PJ Walker is going to start. I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing. Um, I don't really think it can be a bad thing. It's not like you can get much worse there in Carolina. Uh, what do we expect that this might mean for uh, DJ Moore and dare I say it, Robbie Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> don't say it. Uh, no, I mean, PJ Walker from the limited exposure I've had to him, uh, just kind of runs around, uh, tries to make plays. He's not a big arm quarterback, but he is mobile. Uh, it's a little frantic when you see him out there from what I've seen. So, I do think, I mean, DJ Moore is a good enough athlete, a good enough player. You can get the ball in his hands short. So I still hold out some hope for DJ Moore. But no, Robbie Anderson, I hope you've dropped him by now because it's, it's, I think it's over. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, and then, uh, Ryan, uh, walk us through who your best streamers are this week at quarterback, tight end, and defense if you're in a tough position, which uh, you probably shouldn't be, honestly, given uh, the matchups uh, this week at, in all three aspects. You, you probably don't need to go streaming. But if you do, uh, help us out, Ryan. Yeah, so the fact that you probably don't need to go streaming because of how the matchups work out is going to make it way harder on you if you do need to go streaming. Because there are 15 quarterbacks I'm pretty happy to start this week, and all of them are rostered in over 65% of leagues. So doing work, doing the best with what we have here. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, 28% rostered. He's implied 24 points and favored against the Eagles. This Philadelphia defense shouldn't push him to do more than he's capable of. I'm sure the Broncos will probably want to run the ball like 37 times again. But the good part of that is that they'll probably be in the red zone. So Bridgewater will have opportunity to throw a couple of touchdowns. He had a rushing score last week that saved his fantasy line. But ultimately, I think you can expect like 15 fantasy points, which unfortunately is probably about as good as you're going to get if you're streaming quarterback this week. All right, and then what about at tight end? Yeah, so at tight end, I have one Mr. Dan Arnold. Uh, he's rostered in 26% of leagues and playing the Colts. His target total since joining the team after the first week where he didn't hadn't fully known the playbook are as follows. Eight targets, five targets, seven targets, and 10 targets. That's over a 20% target share in that period. That is first on the team, actually. So he is the number one target for Trevor Lawrence. So in the second half of the season. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, that, that's just completely what we predicted. He's second among tight ends this year in targets per snap, which shows that he's being heavily utilized whenever he's on the field. Uh, and he's yet to score this season, which, again, he's on the Jaguars, so not particularly surprising. But if he sneaks in a couple touchdowns, he could have a pretty good season when we're looking back on it. And I'll say I only have him at tight end 18 this week. That has a couple of players that may or may not play due to injury above him. Um, but I, I would feel pretty good about him this weekend going forward, just based on these target shares. Yeah. And he's someone that we've mentioned on this podcast multiple times. Um, he's always kind of in like the top three or top four and most added. Um, and yet it's still just 26% rostered. So uh, kind of like Pat Fryermuth, uh, if you're in need of a tight end for whatever reason, uh, and you know you, you haven't you know found that guy yet, Fryermuth is still available in 56% of the leagues. Arnold, like we said, 26% of the leagues. So there's still definitely options out there uh, for you. Uh, and then finally, a defense, which I, again, this one's really tough. We uh, every week at the end of the show we do a segment where we talk about the the most rostered defenses that you should drop or or bench. Uh, and the answer this week is like, there was no one. So, uh, I don't really know who you're going to be streaming because all the good matchups are already pretty heavily rostered. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I'll say that there aren't that many highly rostered defenses that I would play this streamer against, but if you've been streaming all year and you're stuck with like the dolphins on your roster or something right now, then you can look to the Tennessee Titans. They're rostered in 47% of leagues and they get the saints this week. They are the only home favorite that is under 50% rostered this week. And they get either Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, probably Simeon, but seems like the New Orleans media is speculating a lot this week. So we'll see what happens there. Either way, I think it's good for the Titans defense. Uh, the Saints don't generally give up a lot of sacks. So 
you're really just hoping for them to keep control of the score here and maybe for a couple turnovers, which I think is very possible. Yeah, some some highly dropped defenses uh, this past week and, and guys that were heavily rostered uh, were Miami um, coming off a matchup against the Texans, New Orleans uh, after playing the Falcons and doing, by the way, absolutely nothing uh, defensively against the Falcons. And then the Bengals, who you probably would have been better off dropping before last week started anyway. Uh, but uh, all three of those uh, teams have been dropped in a lot of leagues. So if you have one of those three defenses, you might be looking for someone. Tennessee um, is a good option. All right, let's talk a little bit about Thursday night football. Um, we are going to start talking about you know whether we recommend players to sit or start. Remember, all of our recommendations are for twelve team PPR leagues. Um, so just you know keep that in mind. Uh, Thursday night football this week. Uh, we at least have one good team. Uh, that's Baltimore. I feel like that's an improvement over what we typically get in Thursday night football. So Baltimore Ravens head to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Um, just a couple of injury news uh, on this. Uh, Latavius Murray is listed as doubtful. Um, I think he got in a limited practice, but it doesn't seem like he's likely to play. And then uh, Jacoby Brissett is expected to start at quarterback for the Dolphins. So, uh, Eric, let's start with Baltimore side. Uh, Murray most likely not going to play. You know, what does this mean for the Ravens uh, running game? Yeah, I mean, it makes Devontae Freeman a pretty solid start here. I think he's looked the best out of this backfield. He's been getting the most work. Um, this offense is moving the ball really well, so I'm feeling comfortable with Devontae Freeman, something I never thought I would say this year. Uh, he's RB24, and uh, especially in like a standard league, I mean, I think he's a really good play. So uh, you're going to feel comfortable with him. I would not be going out and starting Le'Veon Bell. He did look a little better last week than he has in the past, but, um, you know, Freeman 13 for 79 and a touchdown last week. That'll work. So really, like however you look at this Dolphins defense, it's a generally favorable matchup for your fantasy players. So um, get as many players in your lineup for Baltimore as you can that going to see the field frequently here. Yeah, it, let's just make this easy. Is there any Baltimore Ravens starter that you would not play this week? Um, you know, if Sammy Watkins comes back, I'm not going to start him. <laughs> uh, but now I'm starting Hollywood Brown. I'm starting Bateman. I'm starting Mark Andrews, uh, Devontae Freeman, not Le'Veon Bell, um, and Lamar. So, yeah, I'm pretty much starting everyone here. Yeah, and Lamar, I believe, is uh, is all both your uh, and Ryan's number one quarterback of the week. So definitely a juicy matchup. Uh, and then on the Miami side of things, with Jacoby Prissett, uh expected to start, um, what does this mean for the Dolphins uh, players? Is there anyone that you're shying away from in this matchup against Baltimore, Ryan? Honestly, not really. And the reason for that is because this target tree has just been so condensed. Uh, Devontae Parker is now on IR, so... Really, the only options for Brissett are Mike Gesicki, Miles Gaskin, and Jalen Waddle. And we've seen all three of those players have success with him at varying points this season. So I think all of them are startable. I have Gesicki as a solid tight end one. He's my sixth highest ranked tight end this week. Uh, Jalen Waddle is a flex play wide receiver 29. And Gaskin is safely inside my top 24 running backs. So I, I really don't think it matters that Brissett is the quarterback. Yeah, all three of those players that you mentioned had uh, six or more targets last week. Um, And then going back one week further, when Devontae Parker was healthy, he had 11 targets um, two weeks ago. And but even then, Gesicki and Gaskin each had four targets and Waddle had 11 in that game as well. So um, you're absolutely right. A very condensed uh, target tree. Um, So a lot of volume there. Is Brissett stream? No, he's not. Okay, we don't need to talk about Jacoby Brissett too closely. Well, that's it for. Thursday night football. Um, it doesn't seem like there's really any borderline players. Um, Eric, is there anyone uh, on Miami side that you're feeling a little bit more borderline about that you might have to think long and hard about if you want to make that decision on Thursday versus waiting for a better option on Sunday? 
No, I think Ryan covered Miami pretty well. Uh, there's a lot of clear starts here. And even like when Brissett's quarterback, he still had like, he's throwing 40 to 49 times a game. Like it's not going for a lot of yardage, but in PPR leagues, we're getting a lot of receptions out of these Brissett games. So no, I think especially with all the injuries and COVID stuff, uh, I would get players in this game in your lineup on Thursday night and just lock in those points. All right, uh, let's move on to running backs. Uh, so we'll start with the most added running backs. And we've talked about a handful of these already because, you know, they're added, you know, because the injury news or something like that. Like uh, Devontae Freeman, who had a good game, and Latavius Murray probably isn't going to play. Jordan Howard, uh, Dearness Johnson, Brandon Bolden, Alexander Madison, and Eno Benjamin. Really, of, of the guys that are on this list, the only one that we have some – I mean, Eno Benjamin, straight up, we're like, this is not someone that is going to be uh, a good stash candidate. Um, maybe he gets some passing work uh, out of that backfield. Uh, Ryan Heath loves Brandon Bolden, so you can definitely fire him up. I'm just kidding. Uh, but Dearness Johnson, you can fire up. Jordan Howard is kind of a play. I know you don't want to trust him, Eric, but yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, talk to me about Boston Scott and Jordan Howard in this in this Eagles backfield one more time. I mean, the problem I'm having is that they're both in the 40% range of snaps here. Um, I mean, and, and Kenny Gainwell hasn't completely gone away. You know, he's taken some of these snaps. So it's just awfully split up. And I think there's been one combined target for this backfield over the past two weeks. So you should, there's just no passing game for in a PPR league. I really don't think, like, they've had two really good rushing game matchups. And I know that they've been pounding the ball on the ground. But I don't necessarily think this is a good running game either. So you've got two players on a 40% snap share, no passing game work. You're looking for touchdowns. You know, it's just, it's not something that I'm going after in most leagues. So I do agree. Like you can start Jordan Howard. Um, you know, we've been starting James Conner this year when he's just been a touchdown back, but it's just a lot better offense. So he makes like a poor man's James Conner, I guess I would say, but Denver just looked awfully good on defense. It's on the road. I just don't have the hope here for this Eagles backfield that I think some other people do. But there are worse RB2s out there if you're decimated by injuries and bye weeks. The only thing I want to add to that is, yes, as you said, both around 40% snap share. Jordan Howard is the new James Conner. But I <laughs> will point out, count them, 13 red zone opportunities for Jordan Howard in the last two weeks. So that that's really is what makes the difference for me. I have Jordan Howard at RB 28. I'm not trying to start him, but he's a viable flex play. And it's because of that red zone opportunity. Scott only has five in that period. So they clearly prefer him. They just want to give him the ball in the red zone all they possibly can. So I'll ride it if I have to. Now, I just want to go back to the preseason here and picture us spending six minutes on Jordan Howard and uh, how we would feel at that moment. So uh, that's, that's where we are. It's week 10. Ah, uh, well, I mean, you know, Adrian Peterson is also someone we have to talk about. So this is just where we're at. Uh, rank rank the most added running backs for me in terms of startability this week. And, and I'm going to throw in a couple of running backs that were added a lot last week to this list as well. So um, we'll just say Devontae Freeman, Jordan Howard, Dearness Johnson, um, as well as Adrian Peterson. Uh, which of those rank, rank those four for me in terms of how you want to start them this week? Uh, Devontae Freeman, Dearness Johnson, Jordan Howard, Adrian Peterson. I mean, obviously, if all the Browns running backs are out there, then you can probably bump Howard above Dearness, but um, that's the order I'm going with. Yeah, I agree completely. If the if Johnson is the last man standing in Cleveland, then he's the clear number one, and then I would go Freeman, Howard, Peterson. Okay, so not a whole lot from Peterson this past week that got you guys excited. Um, 
All right, so every week we kind of go over the must-start running backs, and, and honestly, it's a lot of the same obvious uh, choices here. Um, don't overthink it. If there's someone that you know is really honestly with with Eric's rankings, pretty much his top twenty is who he's considering must-start guys. So even as far down as like Daryl Williams against Las Vegas, uh, Leonard Fournette, um, Josh Jacobs, uh, there's a lot of uh, running backs that you know just don't overthink it. Fire them up and be uh, be good to go. But you know some real decision points to have to be made. Uh, as we get kind of closer to the mid twenties, um, let's start with Michael Carter. Uh, they play a really tough Buffalo Bills defense, uh, and there's now with the wide receiver core a little bit healthier, um, and you know there's some traction that Tevin Coleman might be back a little bit. I don't really know, but uh, is Michael Carter someone that you feel confident starting, uh, or, or that people should feel confident starting with the way he's been playing lately? It's tough because I'm really impressed with him as a player, but this Bills defense is possibly the toughest to play from a fantasy perspective for running back. I mean, outside of like a, a monster game from Derrick Henry, you just look up and down the, the weekly list and there's not a whole lot in the double digits against the Bills. So this is a tough matchup for him. And it really comes down to the passing game work, I think, for him. Um, we'll see. Hopefully Mike White is healthy and back up to speed because uh, Josh Johnson did not look his way very much at all last week. So if we can get Mike White out there, it's going to bump him a little bit. Um, I've got Michael Carter at RB25, kind of right on the borderline there. And again, it's not because of a lack of talent. It's just we went from those nine targets and 14 targets with Mike White to two targets last week. So with White back out there, he gets a bump. Uh, hopefully White can last the whole game, though. That's all, that's all I would say. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add there. I agree that you really hope those targets come back with Mike White hopefully playing the whole game. He's my RB24 you're most likely starting him. It's kind of unlikely that you have that many better options, but if you're kind of stacked, then I think you can leave him on the bench this week. It is a very tough matchup. Yeah, and we'll sidetrack us here, but I'm always amazed at these backup quarterbacks. It feels like it's about a 50-50 shot that they get hurt within their first two games coming in. So uh, they don't quite have the ability to stay healthy like these uh, 10-year veterans do in the NFL, that's for sure. So I hope Mike White can ride the ship, but I'm not counting on it necessarily. Also, Zach Wilson's expected to be back by week 11. So this is it's like a one week back for Mike White. Uh, but I mean, who knows what will happen? There's no there's no guarantee that Wilson will be back uh, for week 11. Um, we talked about Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick already. Um, you know, kind of just Ryan is as, as high as he was on Gibson early on in the season. That This has just not been the kind of game scripts for him. Um, Washington has not been in the lead hardly ever. Um, and despite the fact that Gibson's a converted wide receiver, uh, he was a wide receiver in college. Now as a running back, um, they don't use him in the passing game. Um, and you're not, you don't want to play a running back against Tampa Bay. If he's just, you know, running the ball, it's not, not a good look. So, uh, definitely tough to start Antonio Gibson this week. You both have JD McKissick ranked higher than Gibson. So if you have both, uh, which I actually do in a league, you're going to play McKissick above Gibson. Um, as weird as that sounds, uh, let's talk about Alex Collins. Um, Chris Carson is designated to return from IR, but as I mentioned earlier, uh, they typically don't, uh, come back and play the first week after being designated to return. So we probably have one more week of Alex Collins, the bell cow, uh, you know, what with Russell Wilson potentially under center again, do we think that might open up more running lanes, uh, for Collins this week and give him some chance at, at, you know, fantasy relevance? Yeah, I mean, that will certainly help. Uh, I mean, I think it kind of comes down to Collins' health here, though. He's been banged up as well. And actually, his last two games, weeks eight and seven, uh, he was more in the 47%, 39% snap share range. Uh, they've been playing Rashad Penny and Travis Homer and 
uh, even a little DJ Dallas. So that's my big concern with Collins here is do we really want a touchdown dependent option? Again, uh, it's kind of like with the Eagles backs here that that's going to play 40 ish percent of the snaps. So if he's fully healthy and he gets back up to that, like 60% snap range, that's one thing, but I'm just a little skeptical about Collins about his health. He's a little bit older in the league. So I don't know. I'm looking to not start Collins if I can, even if Wilson's back. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I have him just slightly above Jordan Howard and Antonio Gibson, and it's a a very similar situation here. Like, if Russell Wilson's back, then what that means is that Collins hopefully is in the red zone more because the Seahawks offense will be humming a little bit better. But, I mean, if he's not scoring the touchdown, like just 10 carries in Week 8, I, he's not getting it done from a volume perspective. So you just need him to fall into the end zone. All right. And then uh, let's talk about AJ Dillon. Um, you know, Dillon has had kind of an up and down season. He's had some weeks where he's been really involved in the passing game. He's had some weeks where he's, you know, really dominated in the carries. Uh, Aaron Jones just had a complete dud of a game. Uh, you know, what are we doing? Is AJ Dillon like, it feels like he's in purgatory in terms of like, we, I always want more from him and I think he can do more, but also Aaron Jones is ahead of him. Um, you know, at what point can we make a decision on AJ Dillon or is he just someone you every week have to plug your nose and put in your flex spot? Yeah, I want to be higher on him, but I've got him at RB 34. It's just, we know Jones isn't going away. I know Jones's fantasy managers have been a little disappointed lately, but he's a talented player. He could have one of those monster blow up weeks at any point. So there's just not that much room left for Dillon. He hasn't seen like, a super huge increase in snaps. This is a really nice matchup against Seattle. They're they're bad against running backs from a fantasy perspective. So um, as always, there's a chance he breaks a run. He's caught a few passes here or there. If you're in emergency mode, then get him in there. He's at least talented and in a good offense. But it's just from week to week, uh, it's hard to it's hard to trust him. And we haven't really seen that much of a ceiling either. So uh, I think we're still just waiting for an injury at this point. Yeah, I mostly agree. His usage has been very strange. Like last week, he just randomly had four targets. The week before, he randomly had 16 carries. And I mean, notably, those were the weeks where Devontae Adams was out and then the next week, Aaron Rodgers was out. So Packers offense was obviously a little bit strange in those times. Um, But overall, yeah, I mostly agree. I have him at RB34. He's not someone I want to start. It does suck. It feels like in purgatory, like you never know whether he's going to have a potentially big week. It's weird because I almost want to, even though they're physically complete opposites from a fantasy like numbers perspective, I'd almost compare him to Naheem Hines, where you really just have no idea where what the usage is going to be from week to week. But you know that there is upside there, at least theoretically. And I think AJ Dillon could eat Naeem Hines, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, they could not be further apart. Uh, all right, let's move on to wide receiver. Um, unless there's any other running backs that you guys feel um, you want to touch on before we move on. No, I think we hit most of them. I would say like Mark Ingram, there have been rumors about Kamara's injury. We don't quite know how banged up he is. Like there are worse bench stashes, I think, than Mark Ingram. It's it's an offense that knows how to run the ball. So hopefully Kamara's fine. We don't really have much indication that he's hurt bad. But, you know, it, if something happened to Kamara, that's a massive open. All right. And then uh, moving on to wide receivers, we'll start again uh, with the most added list. Cause these are guys that, you know, people are picking up they might think they can play right away. Um, and you know, that tops off with uh, Elijah Moore, who just had, you know, obviously his biggest uh, game of his career uh, scored two touchdowns and, and just absolutely went off against Indianapolis. 
Um, and then Donovan Peoples-Jones, who now moves up into uh, a starting spot in the Cleveland wide receiver uh, core. Um, you know, maybe Baker Mayfield will actually look at him as opposed to the guy that he is replacing uh, in that starting wide receiver spot. So what's your level of excitement for Elijah Moore and for uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones? I'm excited about more long term. I, I just like I said up top, it's a crowded receiving core now. And I mean, we do need to take into consideration that it wasn't Mike White last week when he broke out. So you never know how that connection is going to go from week to week with different quarterbacks in there. So love more from a long term perspective. I'm just and he's got upside for sure, but I'm just not rushing to get him in my lineup. And then Peoples Jones, I just don't really get the appeal. I mean, this is not a great passing game. It's not a volume passing game in Cleveland. He's living off of big plays. One of those big plays from a week or two ago was a Hail Mary touchdown that he caught. Like, there's a ton of talent here, but it's just kind of that classic, like, deep threat receiver that's going to be boom bust. And I haven't seen anything to convince me that he's, like, an integral part of the offense that's going to get eight targets a game all of a sudden. So, Peoples Jones, I'm just not in on. Maybe I'm going to miss the boat here, but I'd be very surprised if he takes over this receiving court. Yeah, I largely agree. Just three targets for Peoples-Jones last week, and people people are acting like it was the biggest breakout they've ever seen for some reason. But yeah, he had the long touchdown, but I mean, I don't think he's done anything all that different than Odell Beckham has been doing this year, which is just sparse target shares, occasionally catching a long ball. So I don't think he's somebody that you're going to be that interested in going forward. Uh, Elijah Moore, like Eric said, definitely interested long-term, definitely want to see what the offense is going to look like with Corey Davis back. I will say that I saw a stat on Twitter today, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was from, but Elijah Moore's catchable target rate is above 70% in the last two weeks, where it's been down around 50% from weeks one through seven. So is that an indictment of Zach Wilson? Probably. And I think I'm okay with that. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And also to mention Corey Davis, uh, I think we talked about this, but Corey Davis did practice on Wednesday. So, uh, he's back in the fold as well, giving the jets now three healthy, uh, receivers, uh, you know, the real excitement and the player that I think we definitely need to, to talk about, because we, I, I need to know, and many, you know, 68% of fantasy managers on Yahoo need to know, uh, is Brandon Ayuk is, is, is he, is he back? Is this real? Um, two weeks in a row now of double digits in PPR, um, he scored a two point conversion last week, scored a touchdown this week, uh, had uh, a combined 15 targets, 10 receptions and um, whatever 45 plus 89 receiving yards is. I think it's like 134 receiving yards over the past two weeks. Is Ayuk startable again? He's on the borderline. I got him wide receiver 36. I don't he's not back to what he was last year yet. Uh, we haven't seen those highs yet from him. I think a couple of issues for me, obviously we've seen Kyle Shanahan just change on a dime about the players he likes and the players he hates. So that's always in play. Um, It's not the, you know, you look at someone like Van Jefferson, who I have ahead of him. It's a really good offense. He's on the field a ton. I'd kind of rather take my chances. We're ultimately relying on uh, Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan to get the ball to Ayuk here. He's still behind Debo. So as much as I want to be in on Ayuk, I'm not 100% there yet. But um, he's definitely rosterable. You should pick him up if he's out there. And he can be started in the flex or wide receiver three if you need to. But um, the Rams are a tough matchup. I would expect they're a little mad after last week's game. Uh, I don't know if they're getting Von Miller this week or not, but uh, that could be a really tough matchup for the 49ers. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll give the same take as I did in the preseason just on this 49ers pass catchers group. There, With three of them healthy, there's just not enough volume to go around week to week. It's just a target squeeze. They like to run the ball. I mean, they haven't been as dominant from a real-life perspective, so they've been in at least some negative game scripts this year. But I just don't see Brandon Ayuk, as long as Kittle and Debo are both healthy, being someone that you can start week to week. I mean, I have him wide receiver 43. He's a super desperation flex if you've got to. And if you have him in dynasty, then you're probably not as panicked as you were a month ago. But that's really all I have to say about him. Yeah, Ayuk uh, still behind Debo Samuel in targets each of the last two weeks. Um, a lot closer than it's been at any point this season, but still uh, behind uh, Debo. And then uh, this past week, Two weeks ago, uh, Garoppolo only threw the ball 28 times, and I was able to receive eight of those targets on this past week with George Kittle return. Uh, Kittle and I tied with eight targets, but it took Garoppolo 40 attempts um, to get eight targets for Brandon Ayuk. So uh, I definitely can understand the hesitation there. Um, I don't know, though. Maybe Ayuk brought, like, cupcakes or something for Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> and that's the difference. I mean, I, I, I got to start a game as a JV high school basketball player because I reminded my coach of our no sodas on game day rule. And he was like, thanks for holding me accountable, Miles. And he put me in the starting lineup. And I was like, oh, my God, that's not that's not what I I didn't want to start for that. I wanted to earn it. And then everyone looked at me weird. Anyway, that's probably what happened with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, let's talk uh, wide receiver rankings um, again, as with running backs. Is, you know, a lot of wide receivers, it, it, it's just automatic. You start them. Um, there's a few wide receivers that people might be concerned about um, kind of in the automatic start range. So let's let's talk about them um, and, and feel free. We're going to do. Um, like a like a one to ten, like how concerned are you? Uh, ranking so uh, one being I don't. Why did you even ask me about this guy? And ten being I don't want to play him. Uh, let's start with Tyreek Hill, just because of the way Patrick Mahomes has been playing. And we're gonna talk about Mahomes a little bit later. Uh, but are you at all concerned about Tyreek Hill with the lackluster play from from Mahomes? No, he's a one for me. He seems the least affected by all this, and we've just seen the ups. It's just too big. He put up a 48-point PPR week this year, so now Tyreek Hill's a one for me. Also a one for me, not worried about it at all. I mean, the Chiefs' struggles have really been off the backs of a lot of turnovers that have kind of like all gone against them when they would generally all go for them in years past that could just kind of be luck evening out eventually. So I think Tyreek is still a threat to put up 40 points every week. So not worried. All right. Um, let's talk about CD lamb and Amari Cooper as uh, the Cowboys did whatever we, that wasn't football. So I don't know what they were doing against the Broncos, but uh, CD lamb, Amari Cooper, um, both had good uh, a number of targets, but um, what's your level of concern for the two of them? So I'm judging C.D. Lamb just based on expectations. Um, I'll, I'll give him like a three, it, only in the sense that like we've seen him bottom out a few of these weeks a lot more than you'd like to see from a true wide receiver one. So the talent's there, uh, both from him and his quarterback. The volume is there most weeks. Uh, but there is enough of a little worry where it's like, is he more of a high-end wide receiver two with all about weapons in this passing game? So, um, yeah, he's about a three. And I, I put Cooper maybe at a four. He's just a little bit above. Cooper had not been really that exciting for several weeks until that Cooper rush game. Uh, so that was his best week since week one. So there's a little bit more worry on Cooper, but I think expectations are also lower on him. So um, overall, not worried too good of an offense, but maybe not the slam dunk wide receiver one we were hoping for here. 
Yeah, I'm not crazy worried about either of them. They haven't smashed their average draft positions from the preseason, but I mean, I kind of thought both of them were maybe going a little higher than they should have been anyways because of the amount of optimism around the Cowboys offense. I will say Vegas is very not worried about the Cowboys. (laughs) They have the highest implied total of the week at 32 points. Uh, So they're probably going to destroy the Falcons this week. So I would still fire both of them up and feel good about it. All right. And then after an absolutely huge October, uh, are we concerned Jamar Chase has turned back into a pumpkin? So, I mean, I think we should have expected this. I mean, he was living on big plays. The offense isn't the most well-designed thing in the world. So um, he's right in that three to four range for me. If you were expecting him to be a top five wide receiver, then yes, this is like a seven or eight on the scale. But I think those expectations were just too high. Okay, he's not even playing this week. I just wanted to make you talk about (laughs) Jamar Chase. Uh, And then lastly, let me ask about two wide receivers that – I mean, they're both over 97% roster. They're, they're both, uh, they're going to stay on rosters, but I think there's real cause for concern. And, and, you know, maybe you guys, um, you know, can correct me on that, but, uh, DJ Moore and Mike Williams. Yeah. Uh, DJ Moore is probably a solid six just because of his, his quarterback play. I mean, it's, it's bad. So, I mean, still seeing the volume, you know, seven targets last week, eight the week before, uh, lots of double digit target target weeks. It's just not resulting in much right now. So, there's a legitimate concern there with his quarterback play, but I do think he's still a wide receiver too most weeks. Uh, Mike Williams, I it's like at an eight for me. I'm at the point with Mike Williams where I'm just not going to start him if I can until I see a week. Like we've seen five targets three straight weeks here. Um, he's failed to crack double digits for the last five weeks. So there's enough of a track record in his career that we can kind of maybe write off that early season explosion. So I'd rather bench him wait for the next explosion and then get him back in my lineup. Cause I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if teams have adjusted or what, but it's been ugly lately. Yeah, I agree on Mike Williams. I'm much more worried about him than DJ Moore. I mean, as you said, there is a track record of him just kind of being this outside decoy five targets. A game is more in line with what we've seen through his career. And I mean, this has also kind of coincided with the chargers offense as a whole coming back to earth with this target distribution really shifting from him back to Keenan Allen inside. So I would say I'm pretty worried and I don't think he's an automatic start or anything. He's my wide receiver 27 this week, but there's a lot of guys that I would be happy to start over. him. All right. uh, And DJ Moore. Sorry, I forgot to talk about DJ Moore. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I would say he's like a five out of 10 worry for me. I mean, we've seen him perform with poor quarterback play before, basically his entire career. I don't know that P.J. Walker is going to be that much worse, but I don't think the upside is necessarily there. I mean, he can always make a living on yards after the catch, but the days of him being a possible top five guy like some people were hoping for after the first month of the season are probably gone. All right, and then finally, I mean, this there's not really anything actionable here. You both have him in your top 15 at wide receiver, but I just want to know uh, why why the concern for Stephon Diggs, um, who, by the way, uh, has been double digits in PPR every week except for one. Um, so why why the cause for concern? Yeah, so, I mean, he was really – he really lived off volume last year. Um, I do think, you know, having Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox and all these options in the passing games hurting a little bit. Uh, but it's really, I think it's the touchdown scoring. 
Um, he's not one of these these receivers that's going to score like 15 touchdowns for you. He's only got three this year, and that's what's holding him back. I mean, even last year during his monster year, the eight touchdowns is not why he was so good. It was the 127 catches and 1,500 yards. So I, I think without that touchdown floor, a lot of receivers have. It's just all volume-based here, and we've seen enough struggles from this offense and enough struggle from – or just enough competition for targets. I do think there's a little concern if you're going to get that like wide receiver five overall season from him. So um, overall, like you said, you're starting him. He's still an excellent fantasy player. But if you took him in the first round instead of a running back, you're probably kicking yourself right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, depending on the running back that you didn't <laughs> yeah, take. Fair. <laughs> yeah, I would mostly just echo what Eric said there. Something I'll add is that Diggs only has 30% of his team's air yards so far this year. That sounds pretty good. Like if you're talking about a 30% target share, you're like, ooh, that sounds awesome. But really like the top receivers can approach a 40% air yard share. And I mean, if you're not going to be up in that high, high ceiling for air yards, then you need to make your living off of touchdowns. And like Eric said, that's just not the type of player that Stefan Diggs has been. So I think he's still someone you're starting every week, but he's not an elite option. All right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely understand that. I, again, you know, he's he's put up the points, but it's been it, the ceiling hasn't been there for him so far this year. He's uh, only eclipsed 20 points one time, which is uh, kind of a mark that not that you expect from you never expect, you know, 20 plus points from a, a wide receiver, even in PPR. But if you're picking a guy in the, in the first two rounds of wide receiver. You're definitely hoping for more than one uh, 20 plus point performance, uh, so far this season, especially when, you know, you're in an offense that has scored as many points, uh, as the bills have this year, not, um, this past week, notwithstanding, uh, cause I don't, I don't think anyone knows what happened. Uh, <laughs> both the bills and the, and the Cowboys must've been, uh, in the mi- middle of uh, filming, whatever the NFL version of space jam is. Cause all of their talent was taken by whatever the NFL version of the monsters is anyway a couple other wide receivers we need to talk about just kind of some guys that you guys are high on that the rest of the field isn't uh, or vice versa Um, let's start with Devontae Smith we talked about him last week Uh, Ryan you were the high man on him you were the high man on him again so um, sell us on your Devontae Smith love yeah hey it paid off for me last week I was almost expecting it not to I was getting a little nervous to be honest but it was pretty validated I mean here's the thing with Devontae Smith like when you just look at his raw target totals, they're very volatile. Like he he was under four targets uh, in week eight. But when the Eagles are throwing, they're throwing to him. I mean, he's had a 28% target share the last three games. And as I would said, was just talking about air yards. Devontae Smith has over 40% of his team's air yards this year. So if the Eagles are throwing, then he's the one that's going to put up that 20 point PPR game. So I have him as a back-end wide receiver, too, just because there's pretty good blow-up potential every single week. Eric, is there, uh, you know, what? why are you lower on Devontae Smith? You're still higher than the consensus, but you're still, you're much lower on him than uh, Ryan. What's your, what's your reasoning for that? I, it's just Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. I mean, he's good for fantasy. He runs a lot. I just still don't trust him uh, having, operating a high-volume offense here, so. I mean, you, you know, his target share is good. You look at the overall volume, though. He had six targets last week, three the week before, nine. He's a playmaker. He's going to make plays. He's going to have really good weeks. But I do think the floor is a little bit lower than some options around there. So that's the main reason. It's for the floor. Uh, it it really depends on how much you value upside, how much you value safety. And, um, you know, he hopefully he just keeps getting better as the year goes on. He's a rookie. But um, I, it's just not a high-volume passing offense in my eyes. 
Okay. Um, let's talk about Jerry Judy. Uh, you know, you guys are, aren't that far apart from him, especially compared to consensus. But I will say he's coming back from injury. A lot of people were very high on him, had been waiting a long time for this. And we've gotten the kind of weeks where, like, okay, we probably should have expected he was only going to play a little bit against Washington. Um, Dallas, uh, you know, they really worked him in, made sure they were getting him the ball in, in short uh, yardage situations, which is not typical for him. But I would say probably the tenor around Judy is maybe like cautiously optimistic or tentatively optimistic. But now Noah Fant is back, so that's not good. Uh, but uh, Tim Patrick might not play. That that could be good. W- where are you landing on Judy? Are, are you trying to get him into your lineup, or are you finding yourself uh, placing players in there above him more so? No, I am trying to get him in my lineup. I've got him wide receiver 27. And I watched that whole, um, the condensed version of that Cowboys-Broncos game because I wanted to know what in the world happened. And Judy was the one who they were designing short passes to to get the ball in his hands. It was clearly he was the priority to get the ball, uh, short catches near the line of scrimmage, which I think is encouraging. It shows that they want him to be more featured than Sutton and Patrick. And I do think Patrick being out is a pretty significant injury. Uh, helps Judy significantly. So, I'm pretty confident here. Uh, He's working his way back into shape, but he looks healthy. He looks like himself. So really the hesitations here are just, uh, you know, kind of another low volume passing offense. Bridgewater is not that exciting, but we've seen him produce for, you know, DJ Moore in the past and Robbie Anderson. So uh, I I like Judy the most going forward. Um, I think Sutton is the one to be the most worried about, Um, but Judy's just such a good route runner. He's going to get open. So start him if you can. All right, and then Ryan, you know, you're pretty high on uh, a player from the other side of that game. Well, he didn't play in that game, but a player on the Cowboys, and that's uh, Michael Gallup. Um, now, I, when I say high, you have him at wide receiver 33, so it's definitely not like a slam dunk start or anything, but um, he is going to be playing this week against the Falcons, um, his first game back since week one. Uh, you know, why, uh, why do you feel confident, you know, firing him back up there in his first game back? Yeah, I mean, Michael Gallup is just a quality, talented receiver. I mean, he commanded seven targets in pretty much just one half of football in week one. Obviously, this does depend on his health. If he doesn't seem like he's going to play a full complement of snaps on Sunday morning, then I probably wouldn't be messing around with starting him. But, I mean, it's really the same thesis as the preseason. Gallup got really unlucky last year. He faced pretty much a murderer's row of really dominant outside cornerbacks. He was just absorbing all of that coverage. So I think he's a guy that could just score a touchdown and take off from here through the rest of the season. As I said, Cowboys are implied 32 points this week. So that's somebody, if I'm looking to start a third receiver on a team this week, then then it's definitely him. Yeah. And I think one thing to keep an eye on, I mean, Blake Jarwin just went on IR Uh, The Cowboys were really able to play a lot of two wide sets as opposed to three wide while Gallup was out because Jarwin and Schultz are good tight ends Uh, with, with Jarwin out that does kind of signal. Maybe they go back to a lot of three wide sets. I think we could have been worried about Gallup if they had both of those tight ends, maybe his snap shares lower, but if we can get him back healthy and playing his full set of snaps, this may transition back to a three wide offense. And that's, that's going to be huge for Gallup. Yeah, we don't we don't really have any other good tight ends, so I wouldn't I would not expect to suddenly see two tight end sets, uh, you know, still being out there uh, with Darwin now on IR, which uh, totally sucks because uh, it definitely helps with our blocking. But anyway, uh, Cowboy fandom notwithstanding, let's talk about quarterbacks. Uh, we have to talk about Patrick Mahomes because um, I mean, look, I I know that anyone out there who rostered and drafted Patrick Mahomes is not actually sitting here wondering if they should be benching him or dropping him or whatever. But I mean. 
he scored he's averaged 12 and a half points over the past three weeks 18 and a half points over the past five and that's in six point per passing touchdown league. so that's in like the in the you know hey we're giving you extra points uh scoring for quarterbacks um you know how many quarterbacks are you starting over patrick mahomes is there anyone that you might have picked up on waivers that you're starting over him in in if you roster Mahomes, might you pick up a second quarterback right now just to you know hedge your bets moving forward? Yeah, so I've got him at QB ten this week, which sounds really bad for Mahomes. I get it, but I mean the names ahead of him are you know Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Stafford. Like there, there's just a lot of good quarterbacks right now. So as bad as QB ten sounds, uh, I'm still starting him. There aren't any waiver quarterbacks I'm playing over him. It's just been you know he's only got uh, two top five QB finishes on a weekly basis this year and. You know, QB7 is just not getting it done from uh, a high draft pick at quarterback. So I think there's reasons to be concerned. Uh, I still would not go out and get someone, though. He's got Las Vegas and Dallas the next two weeks. They're going to have to put up points. I trust him and Reed enough to Andy Reed enough to figure this out. So not complete panic here, but I do think we need to readjust expectations going forward because it takes a lot to crack that top five quarterback range. You either have to be a running quarterback or just a, a mutant like Tom Brady. So, um, I, like, I don't know. He's got to get back to just – uh, you know, 300 plus yard passing days to get back into that top five. And he's a little bit away for, from it right now. Yeah, I mean, there is a 51 and a half point over under for this game against the Raiders. So I like I like Garrick said, you're starting him this week. Um, I just the problem with going out and trying to stash somebody else to hedge your bets with him is I don't know who you're going to stash like at this point in the season. I don't think there's that many quarterbacks on the waiver wire that offer a whole lot of upside. I Justin Fields is one you could argue, but he's probably stashed in these leagues where you would want to stash another quarterback. So I am just not sure what the actual transaction or actionable move is here. Obviously it's unfortunate. Um, I have him at QB six this week, which is maybe a little bit high, um, but overall I'm not sure what else you're going to do. Would you uh, would you add Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan um, to the roster? Both guys are are below seventy percent rostered. Um, would you grab either of those guys just to to hedge your bets there? I really don't think so. Like I still feel pretty firmly better about Mahomes than I do Wentz or Matt Ryan for the rest of the season. So I do like Wentz this week. I'll say he's my QB twelve. He's the guy I was hoping I could use as a streamer. But as you said, the roster ship percentage is really high. All right. Uh, I mean, is there any quarterback that, I mean, th- this is just such a chalk week, it feels like, but are there any quarterbacks that you're keeping a close eye on or anyone that um, uh, we might be, I don't know, talking about next week as, as a solid starter? I mean, Fields is on a bye. He would be one of them, clearly. Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about any long term here. I, I do think like Taylor Heineke, if you're desperate in the league, he's playing Tampa Bay. Uh, the game script's going to be in his favor. Uh, he's not very good, but maybe you can get some volume here out of him. But um, no, I don't know. It's one of those weeks where you're kind of locked in, I think, at the position. It's it's not a lot of surprises here. Um, so yeah, that's about it for me as well. Okay. Uh, let's move on to tight end. Uh, we talked about tight end quite a bit so far today. Uh, uh, Ryan mentioned that there's about 20 tight ends that he feels uh, pretty good about starting. Uh, Eric, what's that number for you? How many tight ends this week do you feel good about starting? Um, it's not at 20. Uh, I do also have Dawson Knox and Rob Gronkowski out of my rankings, just thinking they won't start. So uh, that, that does limit it a little bit. Uh, I would go about 15 deep. Um, I think once you get past like Hunter Henry in the rankings, uh, I've kind of 
talked down Jared Cook in the past and Zach Ertz, I'm not real excited about while the offense is, you know, possibly relying on a backup quarterback. So once you get down to that range, I'm not feeling great. But I mean, Hunter Henry, Tyler Conklin, Tyler Higby, Dan Arnold, that's kind of the back range of the ones I trust. And I, I do feel pretty good about starting them. All right. And um, Logan Thomas was another uh, tight end that uh, you guys are different on in the rankings. Uh, we don't know his status yet uh, for Sunday. So uh, Eric, you have him down uh, basically outside of your rankings altogether. Ryan, you have him at, at tight end eight. If Logan Thomas is starting this weekend, Eric, are you starting him? Yeah, so he's just in my rankings at the bottom. So I remember to see if he's playing this week. So that's that's where he's ranked for me. So, um, I mean, I've got Albert O uh, at tight end 18 against Philadelphia. Uh, so he's going to at least be there. I do trust um, Logan Thomas once he gets back and healthy. So uh, he probably bumps up right around to tight end 15 at least. I think I, I'd feel comfortable playing him as long as we know he's getting the full snap share. All right, and then uh, some of the guys we mentioned earlier on in the show, Dan Arnold, um, Eric, you have him at tight end 12, Ryan, tight end 18. But again, that's startable for Ryan this week. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, uh is in Eric's top 10. Um, so definitely a couple of guys you could easily pick up off the wire and would be startable this week uh, for you. Um, finally, defense. We talked about it early. There's really no defenses. All the defenses that are currently rostered are, have pretty good matchups this week. Um, it's not really any obvious sits or, or drops. Um, and, uh, Ryan, your streamer of the week at defense was Tennessee as they take on uh, a decimated saints offense. Uh, Eric, did you have any other defenses that you uh, are looking at closely? Yeah. I mean, I had Tennessee up at defense 11, so I agree with that. I, I think there's some upside. They've been playing really well lately. I mean, we saw them, uh, get a lot of pressure up the middle on Stafford. So I really like that play. Um, other than that, though, it gets a little ugly. You can play the Eagles against Denver. I, you know, I, I think that Denver offense really struggles, even though they looked good last last week. But no, I think it, it's pretty much the uh, the usual suspects here that you're starting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I both I like both the Browns defense and the Patriots defense in that matchup. Those are two really good defenses. So uh, that, that's kind of what I'm looking at this week. All right, well, that'll do it for us here this week. Again, uh, if we did not mention a player that you want to hear about or want to see more about, go to our website, qblist.com, and uh, check out the Sit Start article or join the Discord and uh, you know you can bug us directly about it uh, and ask us who you know you would who you should start, what you should do with your fantasy lineups. Um, that's something that I think is a Sunday morning tradition around here is people post their lineups and we help them figure out what to do. So check out uh, our Discord at pitcherlist.com slash plus. Uh, as well as checking out our sit start article and Eric's ranking. So thank you so much for listening and I, I, best of luck. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of alternate universe we're going to find ourselves in this time next week, but uh, I don't know, maybe if the NFL wanted to, you know, bring things slightly back to normal, that, that'd be pretty cool. So, uh, see you guys next week.